you're faithful. We can look back on our lives and recount all the ways you've been faithful, Father. So as we look forward, God, as we walk through darkness, as we walk through valleys, as we walk through difficult circumstances, help us to remember how you've been faithful and trust and know that you will be forever faithful. God, we put our trust in you. We put our faith in you today. Help us to focus on your word, focus on you alone today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let me remind you that as we come together and listen to the word, that you have no unnecessary guilt. Do not allow the preacher or anyone else to put guilt on you that is not from the Lord. And so no unnecessary guilt, no self-imposed guilt. Don't look around and compare yourself with other people and, and allow Satan to trick you into thinking that you don't measure up, that you're not enough. No unnecessary guilt, no self-imposed guilt. And the only guilt that we respond to is the guilt of the, of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The conviction of the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit convicts you, then by all means, confess, repent, adjust your life to what the Holy Spirit is making you aware of. So today is Father's Day. And so we're going to look at what Jesus had to say about John 3:16 and how that can impact dads today. So today, dads, I want you to think about a few questions I'm going to ask you and, and respond with a yay or a nay. What dad do you think you should model yourself after in these 2020s? What kind of dad? What dad? Uh, just simple, yay or a nay. All right, y'all ready? Big Jake, yay or nay? Nay. Frank Barone, yay or nay? Nay. Ray Barone, yay or nay? Oh, not, Ray didn't get one yay. Andy Taylor, yay, good old Andy. Tim Taylor, yay. All right, Jed Clampett. Jed didn't get a yay? Just a little yay. Jed getting nays? Come listen to the story about a man named Jed. How about Jack Pearson? Only the girls know who Jack Pearson is. And my wife told me, I don't know nothing about it. Archie Bunker. Nay. How about Frank Constanza? Frank Costanza, you want a piece of me? You don't like Frank Costanza? How about Fred G. Sanford? <laughs> Nay, you big dummy. This is the big one, I'm coming. All right, think about this. Since these things are true, what does the Lord want me to do? Since these things are true, what does the Lord want me to do? So we've looked at verses 1 through 15 in John chapter 3, and we, can, we, we have talked about for two Sundays the imperative of you must be born again. And then John 3.16 is the foundation of being born again. John 3.16 is, is the reason there's a potential possibility to be born again. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so John 3.16, which is probably the most familiar scripture in the Bible, I suppose. Uh, I, I'm sure there Psalm 23 is probably up there pretty close. Others are close, but most people have a basic understanding of John 3.16. But let what John 3.16 tells us about God soak in. And since these things are true, make applications about what the Lord wants us to do. For God so loved. Salvation begins with that. Our existence begins with that. God so loved. In 1 John 4, verse 7, the scripture teaches us, Beloved, let us love one another. That's the action. What do we do? We love one another. And now he gives the reason why we should love one another. For love is from God. Love is from God. Love is not from man. Love is not from society. Love is not from education. Love is from God. And so every love that man defines as love that does not come from God is counterfeit. It's not the real thing. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So the only way any of us can truly love is for us to have been born of God, for us to have been born again, and to have a relationship with God. And so love comes from God, and love comes down to us as His children, as believers in Him, as, as born-again people, new hearts, and, and we know Him, and through that relationship, He funnels love down to us. So let us love one another, not on our own, for love is from God, crucial, important to understand. And, every, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Verse 8, anyone who does not love does not know God. You can't, right? It's impossible. Matter of fact, it's really a burdening uh, tool. It's a, it's a heavy load to put on people with the expectation to love like God when they don't know God. It's impossible. We can't expect people to be a lover of God and a lover of people if they don't love God, if they haven't received His love, because they can't manufacture it. The best they can do is what they have seen. It's Fred Sanford love. It's Frank Barone love. It's, it's Andy Taylor love. It's Big Jake love, which would only be hard and results-oriented only. And, and Big Jake protected Big Jake, when there was a problem, he went to the rescue, and he had that part going, but he didn't have any kind of relationship with any of his children. Frank Barone is an insecure fella. No real relationship with his own, just a lot of good humor and, and jokes along the way. And so we ought to consider this. Since these things are true, what does the Lord want us to do? So, Dad, since these things are true, this is what God's Word says to us, how do we respond? And so we, the only way we can respond to our wives and our children is by being born again and having God's love in us. Verse 9, 
In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. It showed up that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So that relationship with Jesus is the only way to love. Only way to love. And God made that manifest among us. God's love was shown to us through Jesus Christ. And so we look to Jesus. Jesus is our model. And he reveals that heart in John 3, 16. Verse 10. In this is love. In this is love. So... We want to know what love is. This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. So this is love. This is the definition of love. It's not our loving God. It's him loving us. It's not our effort. It's his gift. It's not our suffering. It's his sacrifice that allows us to really be impacted with God's love. That he loved us. And so this is love. God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. Propitiation means the atonement, paid the price of our sins. The great sacrifice. So if you wonder what this love is all about, and, and, and how deep it is, how wide it is, how powerful it is, how strong it is, we are to look to Jesus. What did Jesus do? He gave up his life for us. And that is the definition of the love of God. So, God so loved. This is love. And so that's the definition of love. So, Dads, if we're going to love our wives and love our children, the model is God. The model is the gift of Christ to us. Then he says, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. The world is not the mountains and the seas and the lakes and the oceans. The world is the people of the world. So, for God so loved the people. For God so loved you. For God so loved me. That is the object of his love. And love always has an object. Love is never stagnant. It's never just sit still. It's never stuck. Love is always reaching out and, and pointed towards other people. And that object of God's love, that object of Christ's sacrifice, that object of the gift of God to us is all of us. We are the object of his love. So... What does that tell us? That tells us that we can always be certain that we are loved. We can be certain that God is always pursuing us with love. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad the things you've done cripple you today. That does not change the fact that God so loved the world. He so loved you. And so the, the, the important lesson for us here today is, is for us to believe this, to receive this, to accept this, and apply it to our lives. I am loved. I am loved by God. I am loved through his sacrifice of the gift of his son. He loves me unconditionally. He loves me without strings. He loves me without any hesitation. He loves me. 
I am the object of his love. And so that's where we need to be. We need to put ourselves in a position where we accept, we receive God's love. We are loved. And that changes our lives. That changes our outlook on life. That changes our perspective. That changes how we treat ourselves. That changes how we treat other people. That changes how we deal with the past. That, that changes how we deal with our life. And that's where the power comes from. From receiving the love of God. You are loved. Yeah, but I've done some real horrible things. Doesn't change the fact that you're loved. Yeah, but I've failed God so many times. It doesn't change the fact that you're loved by God today, right here and now. Yeah, but, but man, I don't think that he really is able to really truly forgive my sin. No, that's not what this Bible says. Since these things are true, what does it, the Lord tell you to do? Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. And so Almighty God tells us that the love that He has for us is everlasting, never quits, never runs out, never runs dry, never is changed course, always focused on us. And since He loves us with an everlasting love, Jeremiah said He's faithful to us. He will continue to be faithful to us. So I can engage in life. I can handle life's problems. I can wake up in the morning with, with all the hope and faith and vigor that is possible because I'm loved by God and you're loved by God. How much are you love by God? Well, it's everlasting. It never ends. It never quits. It's always there. And it's always continuing, focused on you. You're the object. Have this mindset no matter what kind of life you're facing. Have that mindset. No matter what kind of troubles, no matter what kind of difficulties, no matter what ailments you struggle with, no matter the, any challenges that you face, you are loved, you will always be loved. There's never going to change. That's never going to be different. There's never going to be a time that you're going to face life without being loved by God. There's never going to be a time that you're going to face life without His faithfulness because you are loved by God. We've got to receive that. We've got to accept that. We've got to lay aside all the human excuses that we would give and exalt God and rise God up and let God be God. He's the God of love. We know that because that's what the Bible tells us. It's beyond our opinions. It's true. Since these things are true, what do we do? And then he says, For God so the world that he gave. His only Son. And so the definition gets deeper. What is love? Love is that God shows us His love in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. So we say, I'm loved by God. Good, How, what does that look like to be loved by God? It means that God sacrificed His Son for me. Whoa, that's heavy, isn't it? How much does God love us? He loves us so much that He gave us His Son. He gave up His Son for us. And what condition were we in that, that, that made, us, uh, made us worthy of that sacrifice? None. 
Zero. Not one of us were in a worthy position to receive such a lavish gift. But He gave it to us. He sacrificed for us. So you mean to tell me that the Bible tells me that I am loved? I'm the object of love? Yes. Does it mean to tell me that God is love? Yes. Does the Bible tell me that, that I can't manufacture love? Absolutely. That's what the Bible says. But does the Bible tell me that I can know His love? Yes. Through Christ, we can know His love. We can know it. We can experience it. We can feel it. We can live on it. It can be our power. It can be our fuel. It can be our life energy. It can be the perspective upon which we live by. It can make all the difference in the world. His love can cause us not to quit. His love can cause us to fight with love. His love can cause us to be able to put ourselves aside, lay aside our selfishness, lay aside our opinions, and, and to be laser-focused and love those in our lives. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3-4, Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. So it's important. This is of first importance. And Paul says, and I've experienced it. I know this. I have received this. So, of first importance, what I also received, this is what he received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. We can count on it. We can trust on it. It's true. Since these things are true, what did Paul do? He received the power of God. He, verse 4, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with with the scriptures. So Paul is telling the Corinthian people, which frankly was a messed up people. We read through 1 Corinthians and we can see that they struggled with so many things in life. But he said, of first importance, what I received, Christ sacrificed for us. So, God's loved the world. He gave His only Son. And then we'll look what the last part of verse 16 says. That whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Life changer has to be. Perspective builder, it's got to be. That Jesus did all this that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that God the Father provided this so that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Whoever, whosoever believes in Him. Now, I don't think this refers to unlimited atonement. I don't believe this refers to limited atonement. I believe that what Jesus is saying here is this, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have eternal life. So people get all tied up. They marvel at this statement, as we've learned that in, in Jesus talking to Nicodemus. And, and they marvel at it. They get stuck at the, the marvel of God, the power of God. So people look at this and go, now, 
Did, did Jesus only come for only those who were elected? The answer is yes. Did Jesus come for whoever? The answer to that is yes. And the reason why I believe that is because you cannot put a box on the love of God. You cannot do that. For me, I received great, great encouragement from the Lord. I receive a, oh, that's wonderful from the Lord. When, when I realize who I am in Christ, that he gave his only son for me, and he selected me, and he gave himself to me, and he knew that I would be born again, I just, I just receive it, and I just go, what a great gift, thank you. I, I, I'm going to please you. I'm going to be faithful to you because you gave me this gift. I'm going to honor you, God. I, I'm going to live for you the rest of my life. You're worthy of my complete devotion. Also, when I realize that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, I recognize that I'm one of the whosoevers that, that is given the gift of the sacrifice. And I get stoked by that. I mean, it does something to me. I, I was sharing with some folks this morning, we were talking about life and how things are going. I said, you know, one of the only things that I can say about my, the rest of my life is, I'm just not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to compromise. I'm, I, I mean, I'm going to struggle. I know I'm going to struggle for the many years I have left. But by George, because of what God has done for me, I'm just going to persevere. I may struggle a lot. I may, I may stumble a lot. I may fumble a lot. But I'm just going to hang in there, and I'm just going to give God all that I have. You know why? Because I'm a whosoever. I'm a whosoever. And if you're a whosoever, then you ought to give God all you got. And this says tremendous depth about His love for us. That whoever, that whoever believes in Him. And so today, if you believe in Him, you're going to get His love. If you believe in Him, you're going to be forgiven. If you believe in Him, you're going to be saturated with His grace. If you forgive, if, if, you are, if you believe in Him today, God is going to pour into you His Spirit and you're going to have a joy and a peace and a satisfaction that you can't contain and it's going to bubble all over like a fountain. It is the river of life. You can't fill this room with the Mississippi River. It's too much water, right? You just can't do it. It'll hold a lot of water, but after that, it's just going to start gushing out. We cannot contain the Spirit of God. And when we believe in Him, we have the promise of eternal life, and we will not perish. Now, you got that going for you by believing in Christ. How's life going? I won't perish. How's life going for you? Well, there's some ups and downs, but I'm not going to perish. So what kind of goals you have? Well, I don't know really what kind of goals I have. I'm not quite sure how it's going to work out, but I got this going for me. What do you got going for you? I'm not going to perish. I'm going to have everlasting life. 
So the word of the Lord tells us in John 3, 16, a scripture that I'm sure that 99.9% of everybody in here probably has memorized. What does it tell us? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. Since these things are true, what does the Lord want us to do? Men, since these things are true, what does the Lord want you to do? I know that he wants you not to quench the love, not to suppress the love, not to fight the love. As a born-again believer, this is going on in your life, the Holy Spirit is at work, and the Holy Spirit is, is working in you to get you to love more than you've ever, 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 ever loved before. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. Learn to go with it. Learn to surrender to it. Learn to yield to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life about this great, wonderful, unconditional, sacrificial, all-powerful, without-failing love. Now, man, we've been taught by, by sometimes our dads, sometimes by uncles, sometimes by society, that love is unbecoming to a man. That is absolute hogwash. That men are not to be vulnerable, they're not to be seen weak, they're to be strong. There's nothing stronger than a man that loves unconditionally. And so the love that God is showing to us here through Jesus Christ in John 3.16 is not a love for a weak man. It's not a life of a weak person. It's the life of a strong person in Christ. So don't quench it, don't suppress it, don't fight the Holy Spirit's work to cause love to multiply and grow in you. Let love be your highest goal. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Pursue love with all your heart. Don't, you know, turning the, the next stage in your business should not be your highest goal. Improving in life should not be your highest goal. Becoming uh, perfect should never be a goal of ours. But love should be our highest, highest goal. And so when you begin to think about your goals and how your challenges and how you're going to face them, you need to always put down on a piece of paper, number one, I'm going to love. I'm going to love. You may have a goal to help one of your kids uh, adjust in life, a goal for one of your kids to do better, a goal for one of your kids to see what they need to see, a goal for one of your kids to perhaps understand some values in life that they're not quite demonstrating at this point. Your goal is to love them. Let that be your highest, absolute, number one goal. Allow yourself to become a great warrior. A great warrior, a fighter for the security of your wife, the spiritual growth of your wife, and the security and the spiritual growth of your children. Only a man who is truly a man can do that. Now, men, love your kid's mama with everything that God gives you to love with. 
one of the very best things you can do in life, one of the greatest achievements that you can accomplish in life is that your kids see and know, and there's no question about, that you love their mama with everything you got. If you've got young girls and, and they grow up seeing dad, you love their mom, they're going to look for that one day. And that's what they're going to want. And that's what you ought to go after. You don't want anyone loving your wife, loving your child less than you love your wife, surely. And so elevate that. Be, a, be an image bearer of that. Show that. Demonstrate that. Love your kid's mama unconditionally and sacrificially. Ephesians 5 says that we are to love our wives like Christ loved the church. We are to present her as holy. In other words, we are to desire that our wives are spiritually whole before Christ. And we are to serve them in such a way that they become exactly how they need to be in Christ's eyes. And we need to pursue it like a laser-focused warrior. That's our purpose. That's our mission. Love our kids' mamas. Since these things are true, what are we going to do? Since for God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whosoever believes in Him, we will not perish but have eternal life. What does it say for us to do? Love our kids' mamas. Love them. And love your kids unconditionally, sacrificially, without any fear and without any hesitation. Love them, love them, love them. Does that mean you're always giving in to them? No, of course not. Love means that most of the time you're probably not giving in to them. Does love mean that sometimes they're mad at you? Absolutely yes. Love means that sometimes your kids can't stand you, but they're going to grow up one day, and hopefully you keep on persevering at love, and one day they'll come to the place where they say, I'm sorry, at least they're going to hopefully grow towards that. But become tough, become powerful, become a warrior, Dad, for the hearts and the souls and the spirits of your wives and your children. Boy, does that need to be done these days. So... In summary, since these things are true, what do I do as a dad? First of all, I will accept his love. That's the first thing you do. I will accept God's love for me. That's what you need to do, dads. Second, I will love my wife and kids. That's, that's my mission that's my role. That's my assignment. What are you doing today? I'm loving my wife. How are you loving your wife? Well, today I'm loving my wife by fixing her car. Today I'm loving my wife by fixing the, the sink. Today I'm loving my wife by spending time with her. Today I'm loving my wife by helping her adjust in these areas of life. How are you helping your wife? I'm helping my wife by being a growing believer myself and being the spiritual leader of my home with love and with tenderness and with joy and with patience because that's what love is. The third thing we're going to do, since these things are true, what do I do? 
I'm going to fight that selfishness that I have. I'm going to fight it. The Bible is very clear that we are not to be selfish. We are to no longer live for ourselves, but we're to live for the Lord. And living for the Lord means that we grow up, we mature, we take off the child, and we put on the man, and we throw away our selfishness. We throw away our selfishness. I heard a story the other day about a conflict that was going on in a relationship, and it, it, it caused the blocking of people and, uh, from phones, and, and, and there was not any conversation going on, and this is happening. And, and when I was listening to all the things that are going on in this very difficult time in this family's lives, the only thing I could think about is selfishness. He's selfish, she's selfish, they're selfish, and they were all selfish. Love is not selfish. Love is not selfish. And so dads, if you're going to lead well, if you're going to be the man God wants you to be, and if you're going to be that spiritual leader in your home, you must grow up. You must not be like a child anymore. Lay aside selfishness. Lay aside any possibility of quitting. Lay aside any possibility of quitting. I'm here to tell you, I will not divorce my wife. I will not divorce my kids. They might divorce me, but I ain't divorcing them. I ain't quitting. Now, I make mistakes all the time. All the time I make mistakes. I'm, I'm not always a good dad. I'm not always a good father. I'm not always a good husband. I'm probably more insensitive than any of you here today. I would, I mean, I, I got troubles with that stuff. It's a, the, the Lord has to work 24-7 with me. But I ain't quitting. I ain't quitting. That's, that really is one thing that I'm very thankful of about uh, a spiritual stubbornness that just concretes you. I ain't quitting. I'm hanging in there. I'm persevering. I ain't quitting the Lord. I ain't going to quit His church. I'm not going to quit the family that I've been given. I'm, I may be the problem a lot of times, but in all three, on all three realms of my life, but by George, I ain't quitting. And guys, that's love. And you need to have that for your family. You're not going to quit them. Oh, it just breaks my heart when I hear about guys chasing around and, and looking for other ladies. Oh, you, you have no clue what's going on. You have no idea to the amount of pain that you're about to inflict on people and your loved ones, on your children. I mean, you're selfish. Get over your selfishness and, 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 and allow the Holy Spirit to just, just build like a great fire love for your wife and your kids again. Love them with all your heart. Do not quit. Fight selfishness. Fight any thought of quitting. It's just not going to happen. Make that co commitment and fight any hint of passivity. 
you're not going to be passive. There's no such thing as a passive lover. There's no such thing as unconditional passive love. Don't be passive, men. Be a warrior. Be a barbarian to the true sense of the term. That you are going to be a man in your home and you're going to lead as a warrior for God. You're going to love unfettered. You're going to love without any, any chains hooked to you. You're going to love the people that are in your life with God's love. And what kind of love is that? It's God's love that loves the world, that loves the people, that sacrifices, that gives the greatest gift of all, the gift of eternal life. Men, what kind of dad are you going to be from this moment on? Will you be the dad that the devil could use? Will you be a dad like other dads, like the highest, you know, the overwhelming percentage of dads in this world? Or will you be a John 3.16 dad? Will you be a John 3.16 husband? Literally, crystal clear, please hear this. Fight with all the love that God has for your family. Help us, Lord, to hear your word today. May your spirit allow us, Lord, not to be a quencher of love, a suppressor of love. And may us, Lord, just be able to just, just be open to you. Yes, Lord, we pray today. May your spirit work. If you need to come and kneel to the altar, fellas, please come. Fight the fear, what do people think? Fight that passivity. Bring your family with you if you need to and, and, and lead the way and you pray for them and say, I'm going to be who God wants me. I'm going to be a John 3.16 dad for the rest of our days. The altar is open. The Holy Spirit is here. God the Father, like the waiting father and the prodigal son, welcomes you, waits for you. He's ready to put the ring on your finger, the robe on your back, and kill the fatted calf. He's ready for the celebration of the party that you would return to what God wants for you. Will you come, fellas, and lead your family and, and, and just begin a new day? Now, you might say, well, I don't, I don't think I have too far to go. Well, you, have to, you, you need to be renewed. You need to be committed. Just do what God asks you. Remember, no unnecessary guilt. No unnecessary guilt. No self-imposed guilt. But if the Holy Spirit convicts you, then by all means, confess, repent, and change the way you live today. Lord, may your will be done. May it please you. In Jesus' name, amen.